All right, let's go ahead and get started. If you didn't grab a bulletin earlier, please grab one. Uh, it's in the back by the water bottles. Please feel free to take a break, grab a water or a donut or bathroom break. The bathrooms are right across the hallway whenever you need it. Um, a couple of announcements for today. Uh, first of all, my name is Al and I am the pastor of Birch. It's great to have you joining us for worship, whether it's in person or online. We are a hospitable community for spiritual wanderers, and our vision is to love like Jesus through our four core values, which are biblical, relational, open-minded, and service-oriented. Uh, our public launch date is set for Easter Sunday. We've been uh, kind of in limbo for the past two years, and now that we found our permanent spot, now that we have our worship leader, now that we have our uh, Sunday school teacher, we're ready to go. So our launch date is set for Easter Sunday. So please invite your friends, your neighbors, your family to join us for this special Sunday. And next, our next Sunday seminar topic will be on life after separation. Uh, life after separation uh, with uh, LMFT Roy Kim. Okay, he's my current therapist. And he's going to be talking about dealing with life after divorce, separation, or a breakup from a long-term relationship. A lot of times people just move on after they divorce or separate or break up and don't really give it much thought or reflection, but it's actually very important to do so and to process uh, some of the loss, some of the hurt that you've experienced along the way. So Roy will be sharing with us how to do that and how to do that well in a healthy way and he's even going to be sharing from his own personal experience because he is, uh, he came out of a divorce. So um, he's a very, very open and honest, vulnerable person. So uh, you'll really appreciate that. And if you missed our last Sunday seminar from last week on grief, um, it's available now on our website in our archives page. And for the other announcements uh, regarding our community, please look on the bulletins uh, for, on your own. Okay, so today we are in a Lent series. Um, we started Lent last week, uh, a week from this past Wednesday, on Ash Wednesday. Um, but, you know, last Sunday we were in our seminar, so we didn't really get to talk about Lent all that much. So we're uh, starting it off today. And Lent is that season uh, leading into Easter but also leading into the season of spring, okay? Lent comes from an old English word, Lenten, which means spring. And so it's this kind of theme or this idea of waiting, okay? Waiting, waiting for the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, waiting for the arrival of Jesus into uh, our lives as we await the, um, and, and waiting for the season of spring, to come around. And waiting is kind of a lost art these days in the 21st century. And I was reminded of this when I was looking for new phones <laughs> uh, uh, last week, okay? Um, my uh, daughter accompanied me to a T-Mobile store because we were looking for a new plan and new phones for me, my wife, and my mother-in-law. And before we did that, 
um, it was actually on Sunday, okay? Um, and uh, I was having lunch with uh, my cousin and my niece and uh, we were having lunch together and my daughter was kind of misbehaving um, and I'm talking about her because she's not here with us today. <laughs> okay, she's out of town with uh, Becky. And so don't tell her that I'm talking about her. Okay, it's gonna embarrass her. Um, but you know, during lunch, she was kind of misbehaving. I told her very explicitly, don't do this. It doesn't really matter what it was, right? I told her, don't do this. And she did the very thing I told her not to do, right? And so I you know, kind of got upset, right? And then I told her the reason why we tell her not to do these things is because it's for her benefit, it's for her health, right? It's for her own well-being. And so we, and then after lunch, and so she, you know, she's sad and she's, you know, you know, angry with herself, she's upset. And so we walk over to the T-Mobile store while my wife and cousin and my niece and son go somewhere else. And my daughter and I are looking around the T-Mobile store and we're waiting, okay? We're waiting for our turn in line uh, to come up. And we're looking at different phones. We're looking at different like smartwatches, like smartwatch devices that maybe she could use as a kid. And then we just sit and we wait, right? And as we're waiting, um, I, I took a picture of her. She's just sitting here, okay? This is an old town Pasadena. And she's just sitting here and she's just like staring out the window, right? And I'm just there waiting, you know, for our turn. And I look over at her and uh, I said, Emily, what are you doing? What are you doing? And she's <laughs> looking at the window and she's like, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just sitting and reflecting, okay? I'm just thinking about what I did. I was like, all right. So she was kind of annoyed with me that I was asking her, um, but I was like so proud. It was like such a proud dad moment, right? For me, right? Because she was like just sitting there and thinking and reflecting on what she did. Now, if she, now, now she's 10, right? And there are some 10-year-olds who already have like smartphones and smartwatches and all of that stuff, right? Um, if she had a, 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 like a phone or a watch, she would not be doing this, right? I'm pretty sure like she would just be like distracting herself with her phone, right? She would not be like, but she literally has nothing, right? She, she literally has no electronic devices, right? Sometimes she asks if she could use my device, but you know, I usually say no. So the only option she had <laughs> was to sit here, look out the window, and think. <sighs> right? That's like, who does that these days, right? Who does that these days? And I was like so proud. And this really, really made me like think about myself. I'm like, how often do I get to do this? Because I have my uh, phone, um, I very rarely just sit and wait and think <laughs> and do nothing. And nowadays, if you really think about it, right, if you really, really think about it, uh, no one is ever really waiting anymore, right? Like, if you really stop and think about it, no one ever really, truly waits, right? We, when we're waiting uh, in line to get a latte at Starbucks, we're responding to texts. When we wait at the DMV, we're replying to emails and probably doing some work. And while we're waiting for, when I'm waiting for my kids to finish playing at the playground, I'm, mindless, I'm mindlessly scrolling through my social media. Waiting is kind of like uh, passe. It's like an archaic thing to do, right? Waiting. 
Uh, however, what if we're missing out on something that's very, very important to our mental, emotional, and even spiritual health when we remove waiting from our daily habits? When we are distracting ourselves while waiting, we are actually depriving our brains and our spirits from doing what they're designed to do, which is just take a break, take a mental <laughs> break. So we distract ourselves while waiting all the time. Why do we do this? Well, it's because waiting is hard. Let's admit it, waiting is hard. Waiting is boring. <laughs> it's uncomfortable. And it causes us to reflect, which is something that most of us really don't want to do. Not really, you know? And this is exactly why we need to wait. Because it's hard. Because it's boring. Because it's uncomfortable. And because it causes us to reflect. Which leads us to the central truth for today. Waiting on the Lord is necessary for spiritual growth. Waiting on the Lord is necessary for spiritual growth. This is kind of weird, right? Because when I say waiting, like most of us think it's, you know, you're doing nothing, right? But actually when you're waiting, you're not doing nothing, right? And what does waiting look like? What does waiting look like? I know it's a little hard to see because it's white on a lighter background, but I'll just read everything for you. And it's also in your bulletin so you can follow along. Waiting on the Lord looks like resting, praying, and fasting. Ooh, that last one's hard. <laughs> Waiting looks like resting, like genuine, genuine restorative resting. Okay, not exercising or watching a movie, although those things are great, okay? Waiting is actually has to involve resting. The things that like bring rest and refreshment to your soul. It also looks like prayer. Okay, when we're waiting, we are also in a state of prayer. And I'm not talking about the close your eyes, put your hands together, get on your knees and cry. Okay, that's not the kind of prayer I'm talking about. The kind of prayer that I'm talking about is the sense that you're always staying connected to God. Okay, that you're always in community and you're keeping this line of communication with God open at all times. And this is very difficult to do when you are scrolling through social media or you're checking email. It also looks like fasting, all right? Uh, kind of restricting ourselves from distraction so that we could stay connected to God. And let's be honest, sometimes we cannot wait uh, the day when we're, um, uh, we cannot wait to these days because we're constantly distracted by so many things. All these all other distractions that surround us actually prevent us from connecting to God and actually resting. And this is why people fast. This is why during the season of Lent, Fasting is a common practice because it kind of recalibrates our spirits and realigns us to God. It allows us to take a break from the distractions of this world. So waiting on the Lord is necessary for spiritual growth. 
And that's what we're going to be talking about today. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Isaiah chapter 40, verses 27 through 31. It's also going to be on the screen. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 27 through 41. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right hand is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Amen. So the book of Isaiah is one of the most significant major prophet books in the Old Testament, or as the Jews call it, the Tanakh. Isaiah is a lengthy book of 66 chapters, divided up into two sections, chapters 1 through 39 and 40 through 66. Isaiah 1, Isaiah chapter 1 begins with the prophet Isaiah lamenting the death of his king, King Uzziah who was Judah's king in the 8th century BC. Historically, King Uzziah was one of the greatest kings that the kingdom of Judah ever had. He was strong politically, he was strong militarily, and he was even strong religiously. Uzziah was a very devout and faithful Jew. So the year that King Uzziah died was a really, really dark year. And it was the beginning of the end for the Israelites' downfall in the southern kingdom of Judah. They began to get weaker as a nation and less devoted as a people of God as soon as King Uzziah died. So the prophet Isaiah was struggling throughout most of his career as a prophet with the people of Judah to return to God and remain steadfast in their faith. But they would not listen. Uh, the prophet Isaiah would plea with his people to return to God and to remain steadfast in their faith, but they would not listen. And so chapters 1 through 39 was all about the prophet Isaiah documenting this as it was unfolding. And then chapters 40 through 66 was what's known as the post-exilic period, post-exilic period, when the kingdom of Judah had become overruled by the great Babylonian empire. So there is a lot of lamenting. There is a lot of anger coming from the prophet Isaiah. And there's a lot of confusion among the Israelites during this time. And this is where we start in Isaiah chapter 40. It's this difficult period for the Israelites of waiting. They're waiting for their big break. They're waiting on the Lord. They're asking God, when are you going to save us? When are you going to come and give us release 
When are you going to give us freedom? When are you going to liberate us from the Babylonian Empire? But while they are waiting, they weren't really pursuing God. While they were waiting, they were complaining and lamenting, and things were just getting worse for them, and they couldn't understand why. There was this purpose to their waiting that they really, really did not understand. They were complaining, and they were turning to the world for answers instead of turning to God for release. They were compromising their values and their integrity when really they should have been waiting on the Lord. And this is what Isaiah is pleading with them to do, to wait on the Lord. And the reason why waiting on the Lord is necessary for spiritual growth is because waiting on the Lord renews our strength. Waiting on the Lord renews our strength. And this could be found in verse 29 of today's passage. In verse 29, uh, prophet Isaiah says to his people, he gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. He repeats this again in verse 31, uh, when he says he renews their strength. Okay, he renews their strength. Do you guys ever take a break or uh, um, take time off? from work or school or whatever. And sometimes you need a break from your break <laughs> or you need a vacation from your vacation. Why is that? It's oftentimes because during those breaks, during those vacations, we're so busy, right? We're so busy that we don't, it's not really restful, right? And this is so true for, for me uh, and my wife uh, as parents of little young children oh my gosh, it's like, after like a vacation with my family, I can't wait to go back to work. <laughs> okay, because it's really, you know, these vacations with my families, is, it's not really restful, okay? One example I'll give you is a couple of weeks ago, my family and I went on this really nice trip to Joshua Tree. Okay, it was so fun. And I brought some pictures, family vacation photo time, okay, uh, slideshow, all right? So what we did is uh, we rented out this RV, in, um, in this like camp, okay, this kind of auto camp, okay. Um, so there's my family, uh, my wife, my daughter, my son, and our dog, Ollie. And it was fun, okay. Uh, we rented out this trailer and, you know, we had this like little like fire pit and like picnic area right in front of it where we cooked all of our meals outside. Um, this was our, this was our, we didn't eat every meal like this. This was our first meal. So we came like prepared for a feast on the first meal. That's like Korean kimchi soup and salad and some grilled meats over the fire. Oh, it, you could kind of see the fire in the back. Okay. Um, so I just grilled the meats over that thing. That was fun. Right. And this is at night. <laughs> um, us cooking s'mores. That's my son. He was like complaining that he was hot and cold. The front of his face was hot and the back, so he's like, oh, I'm hot and cold. Um, oh, and then the next day we drove around Joshua, uh, Joshua Tree National Park and we would pull over and stop at these like mountains of rocks, right? And then we would just climb these little mountains and this is a picture I took of them like in between a couple of rocks. 
And there's this one really, really long hike that we did with our kids. I was really proud of them that they actually did the whole hike. It was a mile and a half up and a mile and a half down called Ryan Mountain. You can see the elevation is like over 5,000 feet. This is us at the top of that mountain. Picture of my wife looking out, very poetic. And uh, this was, um, I forgot the name of this, uh, this garden. It's like a cactus garden, uh, but the, yeah, those were not Joshua trees, but those are some weird different cacti. Um, yeah, uh, but after that vacation, uh, I needed another vacation because we, it was busy, you know, and we hiked uh, like three miles up a mountain and I had all these things that I had to do, right? To uh, unpack and get everything ready. And I had to cook and, I, and then when we're done, I had to like pack everything up. And so it wasn't really like restful, right? And, and this is what God is talking about when he's talking about Sabbath. Right? When God gave the Israelites the commandment of Sabbath in the Ten Commandments, okay, if you guys remember the Ten Commandments, Moses and the tablets, the stone tablets, right? Um, you remember that movie with Charlton Heston, right? And there were Ten Commandments. And then most of those commandments make a lot of sense, like logically, right? Don't murder. Okay, that's a good one. <laughs> Don't steal. That's also a good one. Don't lie. Okay, those are good, right? But the one that seems that seemed always a little off to me was Sabbath. On the seventh day, you shall take a break. You shall rest. You shall not work. And if you read the fine print in that commandment, God gets very specific with his people. He says, your children shall not work. Your wife, your spouse shall not work. Even your animals. <laughs> he says, even your oxen shall not work even give your animals a break. And why is God saying this to the Israelite people? You have to remember, when God gave this commandment to the Israelites, they were coming out of slavery in Egypt. And the Israelites were in slavery in Egypt for 400 years. So all of these people, which was about a million slaves that uh, God had freed from Egypt, they were all literally born into slavery. So they knew nothing else, right? And so God literally had to give them this command, this rule. On the seventh day, you have to take a break. Because as slaves, as former slaves, they had no idea what that meant. You think they had sick days? <laughs> you think they had vacation days? <laughs> you think they had a retirement package? They were slaves, right? And so they literally don't know what it means to take a break. And there's something about the 21st century living in America, this vicious machine of capitalism that treats us like slaves. That even when we are taking time off, you're supposed to make it like the best time off ever, <laughs> right? You're supposed to make like have these amazing vacations. You're supposed to do like a million things and you're supposed to accomplish like all these tasks during your time off. But that's not really Sabbath. That's not really waiting on the Lord. That's not true rest. So what are the things that are restful for you? And you really have to ask yourself, right? Because what's restful for me might not be restful for you. One of the things that's really restful for me is uh, going to Huntington Library. Uh, they have these beautiful gardens in Huntington Library uh, right here in Pasadena. And I just waste two, three hours there doing nothing. 
oh, that's the best, right? And that's restful for me. But for someone with allergies, <laughs> that's like hell, right? So it really varies from person to person, okay? What's restful for you? What restores your soul? Waiting on the Lord renews our strength. Uh, and it also causes us to reflect. This is what happens when we're genuinely resting and we're genuinely waiting on the Lord. It causes us to reflect. And this is hard. Reflecting and doing some real soul searching is difficult. When we wait on the Lord without distractions, uh, we become more honest with ourselves, therefore more honest with God, and even more honest with others. Um, let me give you an example, okay? Uh, whenever I provide um, spiritual care for patients at the hospital, when I was new to being a chaplain at the hospital, one of the things that um, I would often do when, and when patients are sharing their uh, issues, I would always try to figure out the problem and find the solution. Figure out the problem and find the solution. So I'm really, really listening to them and trying to gather information <laughs> so I could figure out the problem and find the solution. And many times the patients would thank me for helping them. And I would feel so good about myself. I'd be like, oh, you're welcome. It's my honor. <laughs> now looking back, I'm realizing, I think, I think they were just being polite. I think they were just trying to get rid of me by saying, thank you for your help. Okay, you can leave now. <laughs> and really, it wasn't helping them, not in the way that they really truly needed. It wasn't allowing them to truly express their emotions and allow them to feel uh, a sense of clarity. Not really, okay? I thought it was, but not really. So instead of trying to figure out the problem and finding a solution, I've been trying this other practice with my patients, which is linger and wait. Linger and wait. They would, I would ask them simply like, how are you feeling today? And they would tell me like, oh, I'm, I'm in some pain. I'm like, oh, okay, so where are you feeling pain? And they, they would tell me. And then I just, I just wait, I go, okay. And I just wait. And eventually like, it's, it's almost like a game. Like who's gonna talk first? <laughs> but usually they'll talk uh, first and they'll say, I'm also thinking about something else. Maybe the last time I was at the hospital, my wife died. Or I'm also thinking about how my son is struggling with drug problems at home. I'm also worried about this. And I don't say much. I'll just repeat it back to them. I'll say, oh, so your wife died here last time you were at the hospital. And that's it. And I just wait. It doesn't seem like much, right? Like, I'm like, like, you might be thinking like, oh, your job is so easy. Oh, it's much harder than it looks. Okay, because my natural tendency is to figure out the problem and find the solution. And I'm resisting so hard. <laughs> I'm resisting so much. Like, okay. And I just wait. And when I do that, they just start opening up. They're, um, they're forced to do some reflection. They're put in these positions where they're like, unearthing these, these things that were like deep, hidden deep down inside. 
And so often at the end of my time with them, they say, I've never shared that with anyone before. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. And that's when I know I'm doing my job well, is I'm allowing them to express their emotions and helping them find clarity. And when we wait on the Lord, when we remove distractions from our lives, when we just sit there after doing some resting, it causes us to reflect. It causes us to really, really reflect. And last but definitely not least, um, oh, and this is the verse where I got this from, uh, verse 30. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. <laughs> I, um, at the end of a day, right, when we've had a very busy day, I often ask, I could see it on my kids' faces, like that they're tired, right? My son, his cue is like, he rubs his eyes when he's tired, like vigorously. He's like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, Drew, are you tired? He goes, no, I'm not tired. <laughs> or my daughter, the obvious thing she would do is like, she'll yawn, right? I go, oh, Emily, are you tired? She's like, no, I'm not tired. <laughs> um, it's okay for young people to feel tired. <laughs> it's okay for you to feel faint and be weary, right? And this is what reflecting causes us to do. It causes us to be honest with ourselves. It causes us to be honest with ourselves, right? And when we're not reflecting, we're often not honest with ourselves. If I were to, the reason why they say like, oh, I'm not tired, oh, I'm not sleepy, is because they're not even thinking about it. When I ask them like, are you tired? They just emit like a reaction. They get, it's almost like a defense mechanism. Like, oh no, I'm not tired. No, 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 not me, no. <laughs> but if they really stop and think about it, right? Which sometimes they do, once in the blue moon they do. They go, yeah, I am tired. <laughs> I need to sleep. Yes, you need to sleep. <laughs> Last but definitely not least, um, when we wait on the Lord, it makes us go on God's time, not ours. Now, let me be clear. We're always going on God's time, okay? We're always going on God's time. But when we wait on the Lord, we are um, agreeing with that, okay? We are submitting to God's time right? And we're um, kind of like uh, giving up on our own demands and our own timelines, and we're just agreeing to God's timeline. Verse 31 says this, they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This uh, reminds me of um, something that Martin Luther King said regarding justice, right? He said, if you cannot fly, then run. If you cannot run, then walk. If you cannot walk, then crawl. <laughs> Just keep moving. Just keep moving. And there might be seasons in our lives where we're waiting for the Lord, and he's not moving at the pace that we want him to, right? He's not moving at the pace that we want him to. And that's okay. At least when we wait and we rest and we reflect, we are submitting to his will and his timing. I know, I don't know about you, but for me, 
this is probably the biggest struggle that I have with regards to waiting on the Lord is waiting on God's timing and not mine. There are so many moments, so many days in these past two years where I've been so frustrated with God. You know, when we first heard about this pandemic called COVID two years ago, almost two years ago to this day, when they announced it as a global pandemic, right? When I first heard about this two years ago, I thought like, oh, okay, this will last like two or three weeks tops, right? And then six months pass, I'm like, oh, this is lasting a lot longer than I thought. Okay, well, maybe, you know, by the end of 2020, we'll be fine. And then, <laughs> and then 2021 comes around, I'm like, oh my goodness. God, what are you doing? There's no way my church is going to survive this. There's no way we're going to outlast this like over a year. And sure enough, we hold on for a year. We've lost some people along the way because some people moved away or some people didn't align with our values anymore. And that hurt, but I had to accept that. But we got some new people along the way. Some other people joined us along the way. And that's been such a blessing. And I was so angry with God and I was so frustrated. And oftentimes... It's because I wasn't waiting on the Lord. I wasn't taking breaks. I wasn't getting rest like I was supposed to. I wasn't praying. I wasn't reflecting. And I wasn't resting. And because I wasn't doing that, I was not okay with God's timing. And eventually, like, now I, I, I'd like to say, you know, I know it's, I'm not, like, I'm still working on this. I'd like to say that I'm just trying to take it one day at a time and just going where God leads. And I'm trying to be okay with that. If God tells me to wait another year, <laughs> so be it. You know, I'm just trying to be faithful one day at a time because I have also seen how God <laughs> provides for me along the way. And this is also very, very difficult for us to do because um, we tend to compare our lives with others, you know? And this is something that I struggle with and um, I'm certain I'm not the only one uh, who struggles with this. And part of the reason why it's tempting to struggle with, uh, to, to compare with others is because social media, right? We're comparing, and but the thing that's, difficult about comparing our lives with others is because we're comparing our like bloopers reel with someone's someone else's highlight reel you know what i'm saying because if you're following like let's say like um a fitness trainer on social media they're only going to be showing like pictures of their abs or like really difficult workouts that they're doing they're not going to be showing you like that empty pint of the empty pint of ice cream that they just binged on because they had a bad day, right? All right. Uh, so we tend to highlight or, or we tend to compare our bloopers reel <laughs> with someone else's highlight reel, but their journey is not your journey. Okay, and you also don't know what kind of hidden struggles that they have. That's this is why in the beginning of today's passage, uh, it says, uh, "My way." Uh, it, Prophet Isaiah says, why do you say my way is hidden from the Lord and my right hand is disregarded by my God? Which means nothing is hidden from God, right? 
So whatever your struggles are, God sees it and he, and he empathizes and he cares. This is exactly why he came down in the form of man through Jesus Christ, because he empathizes with us. We don't have a high priest who is sitting on his throne disconnected from our daily struggles. He is with us. And also he knows what other people are struggling with as well. So don't compare your bloopers reel with someone else's highlight reel. Okay, their journey is their journey. Your journey is yours. You will walk when you're ready to walk. You will run when you're ready to run. And you will fly when you're ready to fly, according to God's timing. So I know we're already in the season of Lent. Okay, Ash Wednesday was last week. Um, but I want to challenge all of you, okay, to really, really meditate on this theme of waiting on the Lord. And how do we do this? What does waiting look like? It looks like resting, praying, and fasting, okay? So this is my challenge for all of us here throughout the season of Lent until Easter is to wait on the Lord through resting, praying, and fasting, okay? Now think about fasting something for this season of Lent, all right, until Easter, okay? Think about fasting something from the season of Lent. My family and I, my wife, my two kids and I, we're all fasting from desserts because <laughs> every day we eat some sort of dessert and um, we've come a little too dependent on that. So uh, we're all fasting from dessert. Okay. But what is that thing that would help you be less distracted from your relationship with God, with your spiritual growth? Maybe it's social media. Okay. It doesn't have to be food. Okay. Maybe it's social media. Maybe it's coffee. Maybe it's alcohol. Uh, maybe it's, I don't know, Netflix, <laughs> whatever it is. Okay, think about it, pray about it. What is that thing that's distracting you from God? And replace that with resting and prayer. Replace whatever it is you're fasting from with resting and prayer. That's the whole idea of fasting. Okay, we don't just fast just to deprive ourselves pleasures. Okay, we fast from the things that take us away from God so that it, we can replace it with more resting and praying. Okay, that's exactly why we fast. Okay, so really think about it, pray about it. Uh, how can you wait on the Lord uh, throughout the season of Lent? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for the season of Lent. And I thank you also so much for all the conveniences that we have in our lives today. However, all of these conveniences that we have, all of these forms of entertainment, all of these forms of distractions can take us away from our relationship with you. They can take us away from our spiritual well-being, and they can often be distractions taking us away from the path that you want us to be. Would you open our eyes, open our hearts, our spirits, and help us to see and recognize the areas of our lives that are really distracting us from spiritual growth. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Help us to see what are those things that 
might not be beneficial to our spiritual well-being right now. And may you help us to have the discipline and the focus to be able to, to fast from these things so that we can draw closer to you and find more rest for our souls. We pray all this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. Have a blessed week.